because Port City taught me how to know God. You know, uh, people like Andrew and Sue, they, they taught me as a teenager, you know, how to connect with God, how to know God, how to hear from the voice of God. I love Port City because I love people like James and Michelle and, and everything they taught me growing up. I ate so much of Mal's food and that's why he was giving me some stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love Port City because on one Sunday night service, when I was sitting up here somewhere, in through the door walks this blonde bombshell. And I ran over there and introduced myself and she wasn't so interested. Um, but who knows that a, a persistent man. <laughs> After a couple of months, you know, she finally gave me her name, uh, Jess, Jesse James, Jesse James. So she got, she got so much over Jesse James. Um, but we fell in love. In fact, it was at Port City at a night service one night when we told each other that we loved each other. And it was just all so sweet and lovely. And um, I have so much to be thankful for for Port City. But then, as, as Mel said, what can you do? Dad's senior pastor. I mean, what, what can you do? <laughs> so, um, but I, I just so love Port City. I got so much legacy at Port City. I got baptized in that baptismal font. I, I learned to speak in tongues while here. Um, you know, I, everything I've, I've learned about God in my young years and teenage years came from Port City. And so I just love Port City. And I, I just want to commend uh, Port City that that you guys, your influence doesn't just reach Gladstone, and it doesn't just reach the Gladstone region. Uh, but I tell you, there's people with stories just like mine all across at least Queensland, if not the nation and the world. Um, first time I ever spoke, I spoke at Port City on one, one youth night, um, and, and Andrew just asked if I could come and bring my testimony, and I tell you, it just, it just planted something in me. It just made me a little bit excited to speak. So, um, But... Unfortunately, you guys didn't ask me here to be nostalgic. I could do it all day, but that's not why I'm here. This morning, I'm here to, um, to share with you guys the Word of God. And so we're going to just sit in one verse the whole morning, or two verses the whole morning, and it's Genesis 15, verse 5 and 6. And it should say something like, there it is, it's up the back, that's awesome. I can cheat and pretend like I, I memorized it. It says, then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And this is my favorite part. And Abram believed the Lord. And Abram believed the Lord. If that was the key point, in fact, I could just about sit down now. And Abram believed the Lord. If we could just pick up that sentence, that every word that God speaks would take him at his word. And it's all lovely and it's all cute and it's all wonderful and it makes a really good uh, sticky statement. But what do you do when it doesn't work? What do you do when God's spoken a word to you and, and, and the next week you're still excited about it and the next month it's all right and then the next year comes around and then the year after that and then the year after that and, and slowly what at one point you believed the Lord for now becomes a distant memory. And when people come up to you, hey, didn't you say that you would? You try to change the subject. I, I don't know if anyone else has that happen, but I have that happen in my life from time to time. In fact, my story or, or part of my story was when me and Jess were engaged, God spoke a word to us and I was so excited about this word. 
God said to us that the name of our first child would, would mean God's promise. That's awesome. That's amazing. So I'm imagining, right, because I was 18, 17 at the time. So I'm imagining that this means that our first child would, you know, be born in 20 minutes, pain-free. Yeah, come on. I was, I was young and naive. And I was imagining that this meant that the, to- the child would be toilet trained after three months, you know, if, if it's a little just, you know, lagging behind. And, and I thought, well, at least they'll be walking by, you know, six months, talking by seven months, and be able to have conversations like an adult, you know, by a year. But when I told my wife this same thing, you know, that, that our first child's name will mean God's promise, she's a little bit wiser than me. She went, uh-oh, what's wrong, what's wrong? Well, well, sometimes when you get a promise from God, God gives you the promise because it's still a little bit away. It's still a little way off. And, and so we got married and then three years later we went, we're pretty awesome people. Any kid would be happy to have us as their parent. So we went, well, hey, let's have a child. And so we, we started trying for a child, and a month goes past and nothing happens, and two and three and five and seven and nine and 10 months, and we were, we were 21, so 10 months is a lifetime. And after a lifetime of waiting, we've gone to the doctor, and the doctor's ordered this barrage of tests. And one of the tests that the doctor ordered was, it was an ultrasound. So we've gone in to get this ultrasound done. And young and naive, as I was, I fully believed, honestly, I fully believed that we'd get in there and the ultrasound lady would start doing it. And she'd go, oh, congratulations, you're pregnant. Oh, look at that. How did we miss that? All the pregnancy tests were wrong. And so we've got into the appointment and the ultrasound lady started doing her thing. And who knows you can't see anything on an ultrasound, right? It's all just squiggles and lines. And so I'm, imag- I'm like, there's a head and there's a foot and there's a hand. And look, there's twins. <laughs> this is true. I, I'm that naive. Um, so after about 10 minutes of the ultrasound lady doing her thing, I said, what do you see? What, what can you tell us? And the ladies looked at us and said, I, I really shouldn't say. I said, no, please, you know, tell us. Come on, tell us we're pregnant. And she said, um, I'm so sorry to tell you, your wife actually has polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so this means that she'll become less and less fertile until eventually she won't be able to have children at all. My world was crushed. Because this was all that I had. This was, this was everything. And I'm sitting there with the facts of what the ultrasound lady said, but I'm also sitting there with the truth of what God said. But for me, at 21, I broke into a cold sweat. You might think I'm manly. Yeah, yeah, those who know me. I break into a cold sweat and I'm literally almost about to faint. As, As every promise that I felt like God had spoken, God said to us, your first child's name would mean God's promise. And now here we are with the promise of God being told, it's not possible. It's not doable. And what do you do with that? What do you do with it when you're, you're at home and God speaks to your word? You're at church, a church like this that, that lives by faith and believes the truth of God's word. And then you're sitting there with a promise that's impossible. What do you do with it when Abram's 75 years old 
75. And he's sitting there. And God says, hey, you're going to have a child. My, my father-in-law's just turned 65, and if I talked to him about a child, I think he'd, I don't know, break my neck. He's got nine kids. Um, but you're not having kids at 75 years old. It's impossible to have kids at 75 years old, and yet God says to Abram, it's impossible to have kids, the ultrasound lady says to us, but yet you've got this promise from God. And what do you do when the two don't line up? What do you do when the facts of life and the truth of God's Word don't line up? How do you hold on to that promise? And this is not part of my preaching. This is just a thought. It's not biblical. It's just a thought. Sometimes the best way to hold on to a promise is to tie it to one of three things. I've got promises. I used to work at Big W. Um, I can stack a shelf. So good. But when I was at Big W, it was great. You're doing night fills, so it's, you don't need to use your brain at all. Uh, so I'm sitting there stacking the shelf, and, and, and God would speak promises and words. And now every one of those promises and words, I've been able to tie to Big W. So every time I walk through the door at Big W, I'm reminded again of the promises of God. Do you know one of the best things you can do is tie the promise of God to a location? If God promises you a house, make that route the route to work every day, even if you have to drive 100K to do it, maybe not. But, but <laughs> don't tell your boss that's why you're late. But, but, you know, drive past that house as often as you can. And every time you drive past it, God, I thank you for my promise. I thank you that's what you said to me. Tie a promise to a statement at Boyntown Christian Church where our, our, the God spoke to our pastor and said one day we'd have 10,000 in fellowship. Now, that's still a fair way off, a really far way off. But if you can tie a promise to a statement, you can always remember it. You tie a statement and a promise together, and I know 10,000 in fellowship. I can't tell you the rest of what God said to him, but I know that he said 10,000 in fellowship. Third amazing way to do it is tie the promise of God to a verse. Fear not, for I am with you, declares the Lord. And every time you, you get scared, you tie the promise of God to a scripture that you memorize. Fear not, for I am with you, declares the Lord. And then every time you walk into a situation that, that makes you fearful, fear not, for I am with you, declares the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you, declares the Lord. How did Abram, Abram held on to a promise for 25 years? 25 years. 25 years previous, God says to Abram, look up at the sky and count the, the stars, if you can indeed count them. What do you think Abram's doing every time he walks outside at night? That's a lot of stars. What do you think he's doing every time? Because I'm such a romantic, I always, no, I never take my wife, I should do it more. But what do you think he's doing every time they're having a picnic under the stars? Hey, Sarai, that's what God said to us. Hey, do you remember that's what God said? And every time, Someone would tell him, it's impossible. You're 75 years old. He goes, yeah, I know it's impossible. But have you seen the stars lately? Because that's what God spoke to me. I love hearing the story of Abram and this, this story of how he got his promise. It starts off, I love what God does. The first thing God does is he says, it says he took him outside. Do you know sometimes we can get so stuck in our house with our doctor's report? 
Sometimes we can get so stuck in the house with, with our bank statements, with our, our pink letters from work. Sometimes we can get so stuck in the house with the threat of divorce looming over the top of us. But, but I love the fact that God took Abram outside and God showed Abram his majesty. One of the greatest things you can do, and you've all chosen to do it this morning, is you get in the house of God. You get out of your house and you get into a house of faith. Where when you're lacking in the faith, you come along to a place that has faith and you hear the words of these songs. And, and, and whilst you came in with, oh, gosh, how's this ever going to happen? This is impossible. You walk out the door with a, oh, my goodness, God could actually do this. If God could raise his son to life, like, what's impossible? If God could put all those stars in the skies, then maybe, maybe we can do this thing. Maybe this is actually possible for us. I love the fact as you read the story of Abram, he didn't look at the circumstances and the situations he was going through. He said he looked at the truth of God's Word. I think this is the greatest thing you can do to hold on to the promises of God. It is you let go of the truth. See, if it, if it wasn't a promise of God, it wouldn't matter. But, but for some reason, every time God promises something, there's a truth and there's a fact. I said that the wrong way around. There's a fact. You can't get pregnant. There's a fact. You can't afford this house. There's a fact. The business is about to shut down. There's a fact. The economy of Gladstone is failing. There's a fact that you, you have here. The, the fact is that the doctor says cancer. That's the fact. But on the other side is the truth of God's Word. I am a healer. I am your provider. I, I, you, you do not need to fear, for I am with you, declares the Lord. And when you walk through fires, I'll be there. And when you walk through deep waters, I'll be there with you. And so on one side, Abram's got the facts. He's 75 years old and getting older every day. But on the other side, he's got the truth. And what we choose to listen to determines our destiny. You've got Joshua there. And he comes across the Jordan River and then the Lord turns up. And he's told to walk around a wall for seven days. And he has the facts never in history has walking around a wall worked. Never. It's not good battle strategy. Just go put yourself in the open where the enemy can shoot you. Just, just do that because, you know, God says. And he has the facts, but he also has the truth. And I believe that, that Port City, as you go, hey, I know all the facts. I know what the doctor says. I know what the banks say. I know what work says. I know what the economy says. And, and don't ignore the facts. Abram didn't deny he was 75. Abram was like, well, really, I'm 25. I come in today and I see Stephen, and I didn't go, wow, I look as good as him. I acknowledged he's a really good-looking guy. Have you seen his dress sense? You acknowledge the facts, but then you hold on to the truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> you see what I did there? You, you, you listen to what the facts are. The doctor says such and such, but then you take that fact and you submit it to the Word of God. We get home with an ultrasound that says polycystic ovarian syndrome. It was a week out from Christmas. 
And we put this thing on the table. I, I honestly, honestly, I don't think we went and fasted for seven weeks. And I, I don't think we even fasted a day. I don't think we even prayed for multiple hours. I, I honestly think we put this thing on the table. When God, there's the facts, but the truth is you promised us a child. Amen. We were very succinct when we were young. And then I became a preacher. My last point. No, I'd be lying. The Bible says that Abram, at 75 years old, is given a word from God. And he waits a year and nothing happens. And he waits five years and nothing happens. And he waits 12 years and nothing happens. And he waits 15 years and nothing happens. And he waits 20 years and nothing happens. And he waits 24 years. And finally, God turns up again. Finally, after 24 years. And God says to Abram, hey, I still got planned. I'm still planning to do what I said I would do at the start. And then God does this crazy thing. God says to Abram, no longer is your name Abram. Now it's Abraham. Now, now that's like, wow, yay, exciting. Abram is 99 years old when this happens. But Abraham means the father of a multitude. Can you imagine the arrogance of this? Like seriously, just for a second, imagine the arrogance of a 99-year-old man with, with no children to his wife coming up to you and saying, don't call me Abram anymore. Now my name is the father of a multitude. <laughs> but you've got, you don't have any kids with your wife. Yes, but I will be the father of a multitude. Can you imagine the craziness if you're renting and believing God for a house, if you started to live like a homeowner? Could you imagine the craziness if God promises you healing, if you started to live like someone who was healed? We've got this lady in our church and she, she fractured or broke her ankle. Now look, let me just put out a, a little statement here. Don't you try it. I don't have the insurance for that. Um, but this lady at church, she has this moon boot on because she fractures her ankle. And a moon, it's like a cast, but plastic. And someone at church prays for her ankle. And they're like, yep, okay, we believe it's healed. She goes, yay, awesome, great, fun times. She hops in the car. She drives up to the shop. She's about to take her foot out and put it on the ground. And God says to her, if it's healed, why are you still wearing your moon boot? What would happen if we changed our language? What would happen if, if God spoke a word and we went, oh, I guess I don't need it. She takes off this moon boot, she puts it in the car, she steps out and her foot's completely healed. Now, don't try that at home. But if God gives you a word, why are we still living and talking as if we don't have it? This is not in the Bible, but I can't imagine it being any other way. Can you imagine when God says, Abraham, he in fact says, your name is now Abraham for in a year, about this time next year, you'll be holding a baby. And so he, I, I can imagine he starts to go out and he's building a nursery. He's 99 years old. Now, my father-in-law, he's 65. When I do work with him in the yard or whatever, 
he works me under the table every time. I've got like three hits with a pick and he's there all day. But, but I can't imagine Abraham at 99 putting three nails in a day. But he says, I believe that God's gonna do what he said he does. And he comes in for lunch and, and Sarah, she goes, what, what are you doing after lunch? I'm building my nursery. Why, why are you building? Because it's gonna take me at least a year to build. But he gets himself prepared. You've got Noah. Noah didn't hear a word from God that said there's gonna be a flood in 120 years. He didn't just go, oh, cool. Well, um, we'll do something about that when the rain starts. Joshua didn't say, well, when the walls come down, God, we'll start walking around. You've got a man in the book of Acts and he's on the ground and he has a, a shriveled leg or a disabled leg. And, and John and Peter come along. The man looks at them and says, hey, can you give me something? And they say, I, we don't have gold or silver, but what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And, and it says, as they pulled him up, as they did something, as they changed their language, as they started to have an action to what the Word of God was, he was completely healed. You've got Nahum with leprosy. This is all throughout the Bible, Nahum with leprosy. And he's told to go and dip in the water seven times. After six times, I can't imagine anything had happened. Maybe it had, maybe there was one seventh missing. But he's, he's there and he's told to do it seven times. After six times, he's like, well, nothing's really changed. Why don't I just give up? What would happen if you were right on the cusp of seeing your miracle happen? And he went, oh, you know, uh, I don't know if that's true, God. I don't know if that's real, God. I don't know if you still want to do what you said you would do. Abram waits 24 years to hear a second word from God. But then there's a 25th year. Then there's a 25th year. As I was praying for Port City this week, I just really felt prophetically that, that Port City has waited for a bunch of promises for a long time. Things that, have, that God has spoken into the heart of your pastor for a long time. And, and you know, there's some promises that, that you tell everyone about. But there's some promises that are just so crazy. You ever had one of those promises before? They're so crazy that you're like, well, if I told people, they'd laugh at me. <laughs> and, and I just believe there's some promises that God's spoken to Port City and God would say, for the 25th year, now's the time to start to see them come to, come to pass. Now's the time to start to believe. Now's the time to start building nurseries. Now's the time. Because there's something about to happen. I wonder what you're believing God for. Bible says, Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. We're there. We have the ultrasound. We've got the facts and the truth. About a week later, we've gone to the doctor's office and we've given the doctor the ultrasound and, and I was 21, so I'm a little bit back and forth. So when we had the ultrasound, I'm like, Psh, she'll be pregnant. Then when we go to the doctor's office, I'm like, oh, I wonder what this will mean for us now that she has polycystic ovarian syndrome. But the doctor's put the same ultrasound up on his little board. He's turned on the little light. He's looked at the ultrasound and he said, oh, everything's perfect then. 
I don't know how that happens. But I do know that we tried for 10 months. The next month we tried. Pregnant straight away. Because you've got the facts and you've got the truth. Six weeks later, Jess comes in to the room one night and she says, I, I think I just lost the baby. And we cried our eyes out. I, I think it was about 10 a.m. through to 1 or 2. And then God speaks a word. See, when God speaks a word, things change. When God speaks a word into your life, something can change. So God speaks a word and God says that, that when the Israelites had the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, the angel of death couldn't come in. And then God said to us, the blood of the lamb is over your house. Now my daughter's six years old. And her name means God's promise. And every time I look at her, I'm reminded God's promises are true. The Bible says every promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. It says the amen is spoken by us. It says that, that every promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen, but that amen has to be spoken by us. God, I believe that. God, I claim that's the truth. God, I know you're gonna do it. And although I haven't seen it yet, although it took 24 years and nothing happened, the 25th year is coming. 25th year is coming. We had a couple in our church who, um, they couldn't have kids. And I was, I'm still young and naive, but I was young and naive. And so I prayed for them. And as I prayed for them, I made a stupid statement. I said, I believe God's saying that about this time next year, you'll hold a baby in your hands. 24 hours later, our, one of our board members comes up and he's just talking to me and he says, you know, one of the things I'd never do. <laughs> I did it. Never tell someone they're gonna get a job and never tell someone they're gonna get pregnant. Otherwise, you're gonna get hurt. I went, oh, great. <laughs> Where were you 24 hours ago? <laughs> but, but three months passes and nothing. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should send him a message. Hey, maybe that was just a general idea, you know, a year, seven years. Like, you know, it's all kind of the same, right? Four months, five months, six months later, I make an announcement on Facebook. Hey, we're pregnant. They were 12 weeks pregnant, so three months before. So a year later, almost to the day, almost to the day, they have this baby. The doctors had said for him, to him for years, you can't have kids. But luckily, <laughs> I actually use God's words and not my words. <laughs> my words can't do anything, but God's words. <laughs> What's God spoken to you? Because whatever God speaks, God can do. God can do that. So Abram waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. But he knows he has his promise from God. I saw a man with a broken back. Had a broken back and he could walk and he could stand, um, but he just had no feeling in his feet. And I watched as someone prayed for him and feeling came back to his feet. I watched a lady, uh, she was in a wheelchair and someone prayed for her. 
And she hopped out of the wheelchair. This was hilarious. She hopped out of the wheelchair. She put her husband in the wheelchair and she ran him back down the back. Now, she could hop out of the wheelchair and she could sort of shuffle along. But I watched as she ran her husband up to the back. And it's not like we say the verses, we say the words like the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. But then when it comes to doing it, we're like, whoa, hold up, I'm not Pastor Mal. (laughs) But I want to tell you that God's word doesn't need you to be Pastor Mal. God's word just needs to be God's word. What do you reckon God could do in 2017? If it became true for you. And Stephen believed the Lord. That, that Kerry believed the Lord. You know, what, what could happen if you just went, hey, I'm going to believe the Lord. And, and come hell or high water, I'm going to believe the Lord. And no matter what the doctor says, I'm going to believe the Lord. And no matter what the circumstances say, I'm going to believe the Lord. Our second child. Her name means the favor of God. Because with her, and this is a bad story, I I hopefully I never have to tell this story to her. But we're driving down the road one day, and I was complaining to Jess how kids cry. Unfortunately, I didn't get one of those miracle kids that didn't cry at all. She she has she's really in touch with her emotions, and it's just (laughs) it's beautiful, right? We're driving down the road and I'm complaining to Jess how how, oh my goodness, kids cry a lot. (laughs) All the parents said, amen. And God says, your next child will be called God's favor. And I went, I don't want to, God. (laughs) But eventually we did what we were told. But again, Jess couldn't get pregnant. Until one month, God said, this is the month. This is a month. And then, amazingly, well, not really amazingly, God said it. Then God did what he said he would do. Wow, it happened. Like, because every promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. Cool. I love hearing the promises of God. I love seeing people who have had dead promises come back to life. Dreams that were so old. Dreams that they thought, ah, I've I've put myself out of a place to see that happen. Couldn't possibly happen for me anymore. Have you seen what I've done? Have you seen what I've been through? It couldn't possibly happen anymore. But I love the fact that God's promises are yes and amen all the time. Got the story of the Shumanite woman. And God has a word, or Elijah, sorry, has a word over her and says, you're going to have a child. In fact, God always has this about a year from now, because the same story happens there. About a year from now, you'll have a child. She has a child, the child starts to grow up, and then the child dies. The promise dies. But I love the fact that our God is a resurrecting God. In 2017, the promises of God are true. My favorite promise in the Bible, and I'm, I'm about to finish, 
Um, I'm a pastor, so maybe I'm not, maybe I'm lying here, but I think I'm about to finish. My favorite promise in the Bible is the promise of salvation. And every promise comes out of that promise. In fact, the Bible says, now that God's given his son, what won't he do for us? Every promise comes out of that promise. It's a promise of salvation. It's a promise of, of his grace covering every one of our mistakes. It's a promise that the fact of sin is destroyed by the truth of Jesus. And I would love it if there's anyone here today and you just go, hey, hey, Anthony, maybe, maybe you've done the Christian thing before. Or maybe this is your first time here. I, I don't know. I don't know lots of people here. But this morning, I want to tell you there's an opportunity. This morning, I want to tell you God wants to do something amazing in your life. And if you're here today and you say, Anthony, I don't know Jesus, I would just love to give you an opportunity to get to know this God who can do all things, who can bring children when it's impossible, who can heal feet when they're broken, who can restore nerve endings through backs, who can make people get out of wheelchairs, and he can do so much more. We've got this one guy in church. I, I get caught up on stories, so I am watching the time. But we've got this one person, one guy in church, and he tells me, and I'm certain he's not lying, but he tells me that he was so angry that it destroyed his marriage. He just could not handle anything without getting angry. His kids said to him, it, it destroyed his family, his relationship with his kids. Um, they, they no longer want to talk to him because he used to get so angry. His kids would say it was like a, a storm cloud would come over on a perfect day and just bucket down rain and then disappear again and everything's sunny again, but everything's ruined. I never believe him because I've never seen him get angry in 10 years of knowing him. <laughs> never. Because something happens when you get saved. God's not only the God that can heal sickness and disease and bring children and, and, and bring finance and economy, change economies around or, or do things despite economies. In fact, um, and I feel like this might be a word for someone. The Bible talks about Isaac and it says, in a time of famine, <laughs> it's a bit of a famine in Gladstone, in a time of famine, Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold. And I just believe that's a word for someone today, that in a time of famine, those who trust God will plant and reap a hundredfold. Anyway, I lost my train of thought there. Because um, God's not only God who can do that, but God's God who can heal your anger, heal your shame, heal your guilt, change every area of your life. So here's what we're going to do. Because um, I'm a guest here, please, please do what I ask. No, if, if everyone here, just, just for a second, just shut your eyes. That'll give you privacy and the person next to you privacy. And I want to ask two questions or three, three questions. And the first question is, is there anyone here today who would say, Anthony, I once had a promise from God, but through circumstance and situation and stuff, I've let it die or it's died. And I don't know what to do with that. If that's you, I'd love to, to just pray with you in your seat. If, if that's anyone, just lift your hand up where you are. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. We're just going to pray for that in just a moment. 
Is there anyone here today who would say, Anthony, um, I used to know God, but I couldn't say my relationship with him is, is the same as what it used to be, and I would like to come back to know him. If that's you, why don't you just lift a hand where you are, and we're not going to embarrass you or make you do backflips or anything. Just want to pray with you, if that's anyone here today like that. Cool. Awesome. You can put down your hand. That's awesome. And the last one, is there anyone here today who would just say, I, I've never met this God, but if he's half as good as what you're saying, I'd like to know him. That's you, just where you are in your seat. Not going to embarrass you. Just lift a hand. Awesome. That's so cool. You can put your hand down, mate. That's cool. Anyone else this morning who would say, that's me? Cool. You guys can lift your eyes up here. Lift your eyes. Lift your heads. I don't know. Do something with them. We're just going to pray this morning for those three types of people. Um, what we're going to do, because I think it's the easiest way to go, is we're going to do an old Sunday school or RE type prayer. Well, I'll give you some words to speak and you can speak them back. Um, and, and I love the fact that, that that can become your prayer when it's said with your heart. So we're just going to pray for those who, who either said, hey, I used to know God, but I no longer do. Or who said, hey, I don't know God, but I would like to know God. Um, so why don't we all together, because we're a family, why don't we all together pray this prayer? Go something like this. God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you want a relationship with me. I thank you that you forgive me. I want to know you. I want to love you. I thank you that you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Um, what's going to happen, I think, afterwards, one of these amazing people here might just come up and give you a handshake and just, just let you know this is how you can start to do this. When you get a new car, you get his owner's manual. And the reason you get an owner's manual is you don't know how to look after the car. <laughs> and the same way, when, when we start to have people come around us who can say, hey, um, don't actually use the clutch and the accelerator at the same time. It doesn't work that well. <laughs> Our Christian life goes so much further and better. And then what we're going to do now is we're just going to pray for each of those people who just said, hey, either a dream's died, or I'm not sure if I can hold on to this dream, <laughs> or it just seems so impossible. And I'm just believing God's grace and peace is just going to come and just touch you where you are so you can hold on to that which God has spoken. Lord God, I thank you for each and every person here today. I thank you, Lord, for dreams. I thank you, Lord, for, for, for promises from you. Lord, it is so hard when a promise seems like it's died. Lord, it is so hard when, when you're waiting year after year after year after year and nothing seems to change. But God, we thank you that, that you keep your promises. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord God, that there will be a, a new sprout up from a dead tree. We thank you, Lord God, that dreams that have seemingly died, Lord God, you can resurrect. We thank you, Lord God, that we don't live by what we see, but we live by faith. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you just to touch people's minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. That you would just strengthen their hands, strengthen their knees, Lord God. Lord, that you would put a promise fresh in their heart. Lord God, that you would just restore, restore that which has been lost. In your name I pray, amen. 
Awesome. Guys, I'm going to get off this stage. Otherwise, I'll just keep telling stories. Um, if you haven't noticed, I love to talk. But thank